Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hello to all my fellow perievers. If you haven't heard that word before, let me explain. The root word from bereave is reave, which means having something torn away, being robbed of, or taken away violently. I know that's how I felt when my daughter Becca died. So a parent bereaved of their child is a perever, a parent who's had their child ripped away from them through death. So once again, hello to my fellow perievers. We are going to pick up where we left off last week, talking to Mitch Carmody on the five seasons of the heart in grieving the death of our child. Most of the time, when I have a part one and a part two, I highly recommend you go back and listen to part one before listening to part two. But this time, if you did not hear last week's part one, which is episode 161, I will say that you are definitely going to want to listen to that one first. It was full of encouragement and helpful things, and we build on that one today, and you will want to have the full package that Mitch shared with us. Last week, Mitch talked about the first two seasons. He's getting ready to talk about the reluctant griever, and we're going to jump in as Mitch talks about how we might not want to go to a support group or maybe a weekend retreat or a national conference for bereaved parents. So here's Mitch. No, am I going to sit around a bunch of people and sit around in a room and cry? Uh, and so, Well, maybe you might. Um, am I going to sit at a dinner table and laugh? Well, maybe you might. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't know but people are reluctant for several reasons people are reluctant to go because it's going to hurt people are going to reluctant to go because they don't want to heal they don't they don't want to say they don't but they 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 don't they the fear of getting over is Mm -hmm. you know is is so strong we feel like the pain is what connects us to our child and if we quit hurting we're not going to be connected and it's like no it's the love it's your love that connects you it's not the pain you know, you know, I, that is so right, Laura, but I think we all have to go through that ring of yes. fire. Yes, we have to have that own realization for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. then you realize you come out on the other side and you go, oh, but I had to, you know, just like the, the, the seed of the great pine that has to go through that fire for the seed to pop, to grow. Right. It can wait for centuries until that fire, you know, mm-hmm. so we just wait for that fire to pop that seed for our our regrowth, our phoenix, you know, there's so many myths in the world too, that, that, is, that, that parallel the grief journey is, you know, that. You yes. Know, yeah, yeah. 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 And you can only postpone grief for a while. It's, you can only put your heart on the shelf for a while. It's, it's, you're gonna have to go through it at some point. And, and, but it's okay to be that for a while. Like, yes. I mean, and a reluctant griever is like, if we have something, our, our, our a child died or a loved one died and, and we say we have a toy and the, the, we have a toy. What do we do with that toy? A toy breaks. What do we do? What, most of the time, what do we do? We throw it out in our, in our society. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. We throw it out. Well, you know, and some people do that with their lives and with their, their lives, they, the, the grief, just they, they give up and they throw it out, you know? Um, and what do other things people do? You, well, you, um, you buy a new one, a replacement mm-hmm. child. 
that, 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 that. You replace the the loss with something else. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, it's a, maybe it's a mission, maybe it's a ministry, whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, you 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 replace it. Um, you know, but what do some people do when you have something? What I do, I I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to throw it out. I'm too cheap to buy it new. <laughs> so I put it on a shelf. That's right, right. I'll, I'll deal with it later. So like when my twin sister died and her two kids, you know, before, right before my son died, then when my son died, I had put my sister, that grief, on the shelf. And mm. so I on the shelf for a long, long time because I had to deal with my son's grief. Mm-hmm. So when my heart was broken, I didn't throw it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't put it on, certainly that I didn't put it on a shelf. And, but I, the magic is repurposing. I repurpose my heart. And after we do the broken toy, well, it's not going to work like it did before. I'm not going to throw it out. I'm not going to buy a new one, but I can repurpose it. It still functions, but it functions in a different way. And I think that's what we do. We, we, we function, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a whole renaissance, you know, and it can be a renaissance. You know, yeah. And, and that takes you into the next season, which is the proactive griever. Exactly. Oh, that's a yes. good segue. Yeah. <laughs> See how I, I did that? Well, unintentional. <laughs> so that's that's the proctor reader. That's what we talked earlier about the, the tools that maybe we learn um, you know, in, in the medical field, you're medically trying to save someone's life. And that those tools come around. Now we we look at within ourselves and find out what tools we have. What do we what have I learned from touching my grandpa's hand when I was nine years old? you know, to seeing my son at nine years old um, in a coffin, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that we have to go through that process. We have to see them in the coffin. We have to have that ending. And, you know, I wish I had never seen him in that coffin. He was a shell of who he was, you know, and mm-hmm. I know and, and there's so many things that in, in grief say this is the way it should be. So mm-hmm. but it's proactively grieving is saying the way it works for me. Yeah. And maybe not everybody needs that because there is no closure. Anyway. Closure, so right. It's a closure that mm-hmm. you can see them dead or kiss grandpa on the forehead or whatever. But now we learn to live with the legacy that we have celebrations. We have beautiful things. We have a picture on the, on the gravestone. There's mm-hmm. so many things that we can do now that, you know, we don't have to. And so many people are cut short of that, whether it's a fire or an accident or chemo mm-hmm. or whatever, where there is no by 6 million Jews. I mean, and, I mean there was no... Yeah. There, you know, there was no wake period. So, but God still gives us the ability to, to respond to that without it. And so it's okay if you don't have that. It's okay. And people say, well, I never got a chance to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Well, I talked to anybody. I don't know anybody that really did. Mm-hmm. They, and they said, they, and honestly, I said, honestly, did you say goodbye? No, I said, I love you. Um, mm-hmm. No, we never want to say goodbye. I no, said, yeah, I, yeah. Three people that have died. I never said goodbye. I just said, mm-hmm. I love you, I love you, I love you. So sometimes we regret what we don't have the opportunity to do. I heard some people, oh, I never had the chance to say goodbye. Well, mm-hmm. if you had the opportunity, you probably would not either. That's a good point. Not goodbye. Exactly. This horrible condition that took our loved one, but mm-hmm. it's not goodbye and does that not does not have to be. I, I, even if we're watching them on their deathbed, it's it just feels too permanent. It's like I can't say goodbye. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I, I can't. In fact, that my son's for my son's um, funeral, I wrote letting go was the name of it. But letting go is not saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right. And I so I didn't. I never did say goodbye. And I said it's still because it's not. I talked to mm-hmm. him all the time. 
It's more like <laughs> so in the poem, it's it's more like I see you later. So it's more yes. like see you later. And and both of us, when we can talk again, when we have the ability to talk, mm-hmm. again, whatever happens up there, and the you know, I mean, the time flies. I mean, it's only seconds up there compared to our years, I think. So we, yeah, I don't know. They, they're busy, and and mm-hmm. and, we, <laughs> and they were here just like Jesus was here for that time. Not only for he when he was here at that time, but what happens now? What happens now in our life? So mm. that huge loss that we had, if we didn't do something with it, we failed them. You know, mm. yeah. I, I feel that Kelly sacrificed his life to mm-hmm. do me do what I do to help others. And if I had just sacrificed my life along with his, yeah. oh my God. It, I, I feel like her death would have been wasted. Yes. If yes. I didn't do something with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So many lives are wasted, you know, even living lives are wasted, you know, that of, of children, you know, that we see in this life. And we as bereaved and we look at other people and see how even their children are raised. And we have, a, you know, almost a, mm, don't you know what you have? You know, I, I know you do, but you're not acting like it. You know, we get, you know, we, get we get envy. I get, I get envy of seeing sure. other, you know, men with their children and graduating. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to envy, but it's also to have, I have now, I have, I have more envy to begin with. Mm-hmm, now I yes. have attitude for, wow, I have so, because Kelly has done so much of my life post his death that, mm-hmm. that, wow, I have tons of gratitude now. And, and I, I, that's the biggest thing in my life. And my grief now after 34 years is it more gratitude every day because the more you recognize it, the more it happens. And yeah. Allow the early grief. You know, that's a seasoned griever. So now we're right to the seasoned griever. We've reached equilibrium with the outside atmosphere. Mm. Now, people aren't expecting, people see what you, my sisters, my family, people that early on said, oh, he's not over yet, or still got the picture up on the wall. And well, now they've accustomed to that. They've also reached equilibrium with our grief. So uh, it's getting reaching equilibrium, not only us. That's a good point. People recognize he's not changing, I guess, or he's not going back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is really comforting. That you say, wow, it will happen. If you stay your ground, try not to bend to other people's version of your grief. It doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. And you like to call that post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic I've heard you call growth. it. Yeah. Yes. Post-traumatic growth. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Because uh, our heart can expand and we can actually become stronger and better, believe it or not. Yeah. And I, I say, I say it's not in spite of our child's death, but it's because of his or her life. Because of their life. Living with their loss changes the fabric of our destiny. Mm-hmm. And how we live that loss changes the fabric of our destiny. Yes. And so, you know, to, to watch that unfold, that we have an idea what our destiny was or should be or could be. Instead of that, we watch it unfold like a lotus, opening up and yes. go, wow. Now the bloom is happening. And I thought this was a bloom. I thought this was a bloom. Mm-hmm. They were all buds, you know? And, yeah. Uh, and so I can say that now for all my years, that I've seen that happen myself. I've seen it with other grievers, people that are on their 10-year journey. And, mm-hmm. and past and friends that, even though I'm not involved with the past and friends, on a bigger scale, I still have so many friends, passionate friends, yes. and friends other chapters, and I speak with them and talk to friends. We have friends visiting now that are coming up that were 12 years down the road, and we're still in contact and mm-hmm. we're still with friends and, and recognizing they're on their 12th journey, and we're in the 12th year, and we're on the 34th, and wow, you know, and so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very yeah. small, but wonderful community of, of 
people that like to help each other. And now I have two, actually three things to touch on here still. One, you said something that reminded me the first time I heard it. I think you're probably the only one I've heard it from, but I absolutely loved it. It made so much sense to me. And it was being like an infancy. It's, it's like our grief is like reliving a childhood again. When you're first born, an infant, being two-year-old in your grief. Can you yes, just talk it, about that a little bit? Yes, and it, it correlates because my wife's an ICU nurse, and I was reading one of her books, and and it was talking, and this was not grief related. I just like I like the research, mm -hmm. you know, and and that's was years ago, and I researched Eric Erickson, who's got the he talks about the eight stages of man that develop from a child up to an adult, you know, from an infant that does nothing to a, a Mother Teresa, a completely. Mm -hmm servant of God, you know, that mm -hmm. is dedicated their life to the world. And that is reaching that full developmental age, you know, but the first, it's the first year that to your infant, you cry, as a griever, you cry all the time, you want to be held, <laughs> uh, no one understands you, you certainly don't understand anybody else, they don't hear you, you don't understand, you can't communicate. And, and, and that's the first, like an infant. So mm -hmm. that first year, we are infant in our loss. And then we go to the second year, and we start walking, we trying things, and we fall, we hurt, and we cry, and we want our mommy to pick us up, or daddy <laughs> uh -huh. pick us up. And we're in our second year of grief. It hurts more. The cards are stopped. The pain is there in our second year of grief. And we want our mom and dad to pick us up. We and they're not around. We look for people to help us mm -hmm. because we are lost, and we thought we were strong. We thought we were just walking. We can. Mm -hmm. we, we're walking. We can do this. You know, but like a two-year-old, we're a toddler, we stumble, we fall, we hurt, and we get picked up, we go. Not till we're like a five-year-old that reaches autonomy and they start to have friends, they start to have relationships and, and they start to have intentions and, mm -hmm. and they know what right from wrong and type thing. So they gain autonomy and they gain some freedom. And I see that happening at the five-year mark and a lot generally, you know. Right, right. Good in there, doing good things in their grief and re doing a lot of things proactively. Then around that, they, they've gained a time and they got new friends. They may have lost a lot of friends, but they've gained a lot of friends. Maybe they're a chapter leader by now in a, in a, in a, in a mm -hmm. friends group. And they're five years, they got that autonomy. You know, and then when I'm my own case, when, you know, then when you go from that stage, you go to another stage, Erickson, where you become more introspection and you, and that's why I wrote my book and I was a second mm -hmm. teenager by grief. So, <laughs> uh -huh. I wrote, so I was in, I call it grief year. So I wrote my book and, you know, as a teenager. And then as I develop and then I, now I'm 34 years old, like a professor, you know, and, and <laughs> I grief. And yes. going from that raw griever to the seasoned griever from the, the struggling beggar with a piece of bread to a professor with a piece of bread. You know, mm, and, right. and I, I, I like that. I want to be, you know, the um, the Yoda of grief. You know, I you see Yoda behind me over there. <laughs> you know, yes. We have all these. We have Winnie within us. We have Yoda. We have the surprising figure. Yes. We have, we have the heart of ET, mm. and that's why ET. That's why I call it Heart Life Studios because. I, I want to do a whole workshop, not only on 100 Acre Wood, but on list the five characters that represent you of all the cartoon characters. You oh, know. yeah. What would that give a really kind of ink, a clue to who you are? And mm. that's how you grieve. You draw to your strong suit. And that's being proactive. It's finding out what your greatest strength is and, and embellish it. Find out what your greatest weakness is and ask for help. Mm, that's good. That's good. Now, you and I both know that the five stages of grief 
that was written by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She wrote a book and it was on coming to terms with your own terminal diagnosis. That's where these five stages of grief come from. And somehow they got interpreted and when somebody dies, you're going to go through these five stages. Yeah, you're laughing already. <laughs> it's just not true. And that's not even what it was its purpose. But you talk about the six steps but you liken them to stairs because you can go up and down and you can be at any one place and find yourself, you know, up, down, up, down, all over the place. So you want to just real quick run through those, those oh, stairs. Sure, S-T-A-I-R-S. S-T-A-I-R-S is much better than D-A-B-D-A, D-A-B-D-A, you know, because <laughs> that, that is a, you know, it, it, it's for the dying. It's, 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 yes. it's fabulous for those who are dying uh, mm-hmm. or who are diagnosed. I went through those when my son was diagnosed. Oh, no, I went through death. I went right through those. It made sense mm-hmm. when a death is imminent. You know, to, oh, can I go through these? But not in grief. It's a no. whole different animal yeah. than it, it, grieving is a, it's a cycle. It's a, it's a whole, it, it, no, it, it's, it's, a, just, it's a mess. It's a mess. And we try to, <laughs> people try to fit us into that mm-hmm. category. People felt so frustrated. So yeah, I it's said, like, oh, you're me. in the anger stage now. Right, oh, you're, you're in the, the denial stage, stage now. Right, you know? <laughs> And I had no anger left by the time my son died. Mm-hmm. No, I had no anger. I mean, I, I tried everything. I wasn't angry at him. I wasn't angry at God. I wasn't angry at the doctors anymore. That's interesting because I was the same way. I, I wasn't angry. So, and so you have, well, how come I'm not angry? Am I, am I in denial because I'm not angry? Right, right. Ah, then, it's, then it's another, it's a, it's a snake <laughs> biting its own tail. You know, <laughs> oh my God. So I said, no. Unilaterally, it's a step. We go on the step, we skip a step, we come back down again. We may wake up one morning at the top of the stairs. We may wake up at the bottom of the stairs. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But the first step is shock. And we can wake up from a dream and we're right back at mm-hmm. day one. Every molecule of our body remembers that. Yeah. So in a dream state, when we're in that subtle theta or whatever vibration, we can feel it. You know, So we wake up and, oh my God, we're in shock right away. So shock is the first thing. Boom, we go. Well, then we move from shock and up the ladder, you know, and and to the to the to the shock is ST, and then we go through trauma. Mm-hmm. When when the everything wears off and all the oh, the frozen griever melts, uh, we mm-hmm. so frozen griever stays like in shock for a long time. But then yeah. when it melts, they go, you know, into full blown trauma. And when you go into flow of trauma, you start to really feel, you start to question, am I doing it right? You start to blame yourself, guilt, remorse, all those things that you put on the side now are, are okay. Was I a part of this? Was I, you know, you start blaming yourself. You lose yeah. a child. All the what ifs they should have. Some way that it was my fault. I didn't do something, mm-hmm. you know, even religiously. Like, well, I lived a bad yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did everything. You know, and that was yeah. old school that people actually did believe that so we it, it's all it's all the trauma becomes so real so how do we get through the trauma you know and so we go to the next step up the stairs is acceptance okay and it's not the misnomer people i never accept the death of my child I'll never right i won't it's the acceptance to survive yes i'm a legacy for them to become their voice so okay i accept to take over for where they left off I accept to be the avatar for them here. I'll be their voice. I, I accept that. You could use the A for avatar if you want. Okay. <laughs> I'll be their voice here. And so that's the acceptance of it and accepting their journey to survive. Then when yes. you do that, wow, okay. Then you look and say, okay, now I want to look, how do I go? Where do I go from here? 
We go on the I stairs, the introspection, inside. And we look inside and we find out what gifts we have, what deficits we have, um, what powers we have, what powerless, how powerless we are in many ways. So we identify that. And, we and even, even maybe new desires that we have and new that desires. we never had before. Right. Oh, or interests. Well, a yeah. writer, be a speaker, be yes. a, a, you know, a spokesman for somebody, you know, be a valiant warrior. I mean, there's all sorts of things. Yes. Or a leader of a support about. group. I mean, right. yeah. Learn sign language, learn a different language, become yes. a leader, a chapter leader, uh, become on a board, do all these things that take, it's all taking emotional risks because yeah. we hurt so bad. Nothing can hurt us anymore. We don't think so. Mm. Take a risk. How can you yeah. really hurt? I've already been hurt. So take some risk to hurt. It, you know, and, and you'll find out that it's, it's worth the risk. So that's all that introspection. So all those hurts and those risks come in the next one, you know, where you go to the STAI introspection. R is the risk, it's the reconstruction, it's the renaissance, it's the rebuilding. It's all those R's that mm-hmm. the, Life back, they're helping you dump you back together again, or a reinvestment. Yes, the reinvestment. Yeah, there's yes. so many R's really. The <laughs> yes, you're reinvesting your life, and and I like the renaissance of my life. I am not who I was, but I like who I am now. Yes, you know? and thank I thank my son again. I, I talk about the gratitude. I thank my son for what he made me become, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, but he he his death forced me into into doing other things that I know. And and the listeners that are in that raw grief or, you know, those beginning, it's like, I don't even know how you could say that. I don't even know how, how you can possibly say, I thank my son for making me who I am today. I I mean, that, that touches on what I call the collateral uh, grief and collateral damage and collateral mm -hmm. blessings in our life. Yes. Collateral grief is the birthdays, the weddings they won't be at, and all those collateral griefs that we are experiencing grief journey many times mm-hmm. over all year long for the rest of our life that we don't write, even recognize ourselves or tell other people, but we're on their anniversary date. All those we're yes. going to grieve all over again because though though you know, but we don't. There's that was the collateral grief, but mm-hmm. then we have the collateral blessings. Laura Deal, mm-hmm. compassionate friends, the people that come into your life because of the loss. I can't change the loss and I'm not going to, I don't have gratitude for his loss, but I have gratitude for finding a light in the darkness. Yes. And, and, and that's what I've had gratitude for. So just like it's not accepting he died, I accept the journey. I mm-hmm. don't have gratitude for his death. I have gratitude for finding light. Yes. And, and finding a deeper relationship with my, with my savior, my, my power, mm-hmm. our connection, this matrix that we're all connected together. When you're in the grief world, you find out we are so connected. Goosebumps connected. Yeah. We know that we're connected. We finish each other's sentences. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. and, and so that, that's the wonderful kind of the, the part of getting to that R is to the S-T-A-I-R-S. When you rebuild the Renaissance, you get to S. Mm-hmm. And serenity is finding peace. And you yes. find peace with the journey from the overwhelming gratitude that comes in for other things that comes into your life because you're going to get gratitude from so many other people for the things you provide for them that you're going to be flooded in gratitude mm-hmm. not on your own but mm-hmm. the gratitude of the people that you affect in the great ripple effect mm-hmm. you know I, my son not 34 years ago was like a boulder with a pebble that went into a pond but now that is like a boulder fell off a mountain mm-hmm. ocean, you know and it's like a tsunami of, of effect from his life 34 years ago it's 
I mean, I, there's so many other people that have come to my life that, that I've met once or twice that are still valuable parts of my life and how we exchange, you know, parts of our destiny, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and it's just, uh, so if it can be, I don't know, I, I just, that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've learned that we can have peace within the pain. We can carry both. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and, and just kind of talking to the Lord about that, what I, I guess he showed me that I realized is that pain is in our soul and peace is in our spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they can be in us at the same time. Our soul can be full of pain and yet our spirit can be full of peace within that pain. Right. And that's where I, when I talk about body, mind, soul, and spirit, that the, that the soul is the decision maker. The soul is the chooser of, our, yes. of what we do here. You know, the spirit is that warmth, that guidance, that everything is always there. And our body is going to tell us to do things. Our cognitive ability is going to tell us to do things, you know, but it's that soul that makes a decision, listening to yes. our brain, listening to our, our Godhead and listening mm-hmm. to our body. And when yes. we can listen to all those, make a decision with our soul, you're right. So, so right. Yeah. And I think it's important what we feed our soul because that will help us. I mean, that has a lot to do with our decision. If we feed ourselves darkness and hang around other bereaved parents who tell us it's never going to get better, it'll always be horrible, then that's that's oh, yes. where we're going to stay. So if People we can are feed always it. talking about the new diet for the body, talk about the diet for your spiritual health. Yes. You know, yes. and your soul health and your cognitive health, all yes. those. You know, put yourself on a routine that is healthy for you. I mean, in grieving, yes. you, you can't help but be better by having a better body because if your body is better, it's going to be better hormonally yes. for you. And you're better hormonally. You're going to feel better and do more things and better on your body. Everything helps each other synergize into into, into healing, you know, yeah. and, and I can't emphasize enough how important that is. Yeah, so, and that was the last thing I wanted to That was the last thing I wanted to ask you about. You brought up a few times the cognitive. It's a real thing. The left brain and the mindfulness and the right brain with the trauma. Can you just touch on that a little bit? Because I think that's really important to understand. Yes, because it's, you know, because we, because when you say we carry grief and we carry joy and pain together, well, we literally do. We have the two sides of our brain, right and left, you know, our cognitive side and, you know, and our empathetic side and where it resides and we use that. So, and there's the, the amygdala and, you know, and the thalamus that are in there that they hold the, like the PTSD is held in the amygdala, you know, and so it gets enlarged with all these bad memories and, and they stay there, you know, and so we, the hippocampus then shrinks and that's where all the, the good memories, it's becoming guarded, it's the soldier on the perimeter, you know, he's not going to be into his, uh, uh, hippocampus, he's going to be into his amygdala because I'm going to, that's the amygdala is the, the lizard brain. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend mm-hmm. to bite my tail and do anything. I'm not going to be thinking sweet thoughts and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like that. You know, I hate my enemy. I want to kill them. So when they come back, just like in a death, whatever, our brain is still in that tight amygdala state. So it's balancing the right and left brain again through mindfulness, through meditation, through prayer, through breathing breathing mm-hmm. you know and drinking water drinking eight out glasses of water if we're mm-hmm. dehydrated we're more depressed we're more depressed we have we don't eat we don't eat mm-hmm. you know, it's all a vicious cycle so we maintain our health by drinking as much water as we can yes. get as much vitamin d as we can by being out in the sun mm-hmm. vitamin d the only way we get vitamin d is from the sun we cannot eat enough fish to get a vitamin d <laughs> we need to be out in the sun and bilateral stimulation go for a walk 
Get both sides of the brain going. Look at the beauty around you. The more you look around, the more you get balanced, the more balanced, the more brain. You feel at ease. Why do people say when they're breathing and they're hurt, have a glass of water? Well, it helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for a walk. Well, it helps. Mm-hmm. It does. It really does. So find those simple things that you, you can do um, to just to take care of yourself. Breathe, drink water, mindfulness. Think about your loved one. Think about the, the wonderful things they did. Yeah. You know, or let it, allow it to hurt you. I call it kind of the bittersweet. Choose <laughs> to lean into the sweet. There are team. There are times that yes, we we lean into the bitter, but there are also times that we need to choose to lean into the sweet. That's why we call it bittersweet. Exactly. Yes, and that yes, yep, exactly. Yeah, well said. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up, Mitch. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I just I always enjoy talking to you and spending time with you. Can you tell the listeners what's the name of your book again, and how can people connect with you? Uh, Letters to my son. Um, and you can go to my website, uh, www.heartlightstudios.com, Mitch Carmody Facebook, uh, Mitch Carmody uh, WordPress blog. Um, so I have lots of free material on there that you can read. And, and, and I, when I talk about the personality, I have a personality test. So we didn't go too much into the, the grief and the how to make your wood. Um, but there, there's a test on my website that you can go, you take it, download it, take it. And the answer's there. You kind of find out who you are as a griever, uh, according to uh, <laughs> who you are in the hundred acre wood. Yes, yes, and we did that on the cruise, so that's good too. So, uh, well, thank you, Mitch. Just again, thank you for being with us and, and sharing your heart with with our listeners. Oh, my pleasure, Lord. Thank you so much. God bless. And we look forward to seeing you face to face on the cruise. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's <laughs> not advertising. Yes. Yep, I'll talk about that when we get off. Thanks, Mitch. I am so honored to be able to call Mitch my friend. I believe he is a gift from God in our world of bereavers, and I just have to say thank you to him again for sharing his heart and his insights with us these last two episodes. Once again, I want to encourage you to check out the Grief Cruise, which will be in October of 2023. And you will get to meet Mitch personally and spend time with Dave and myself, along with other wonderful people who love to give hope and encouragement to those who have faced deep losses. It is not a sad time. It's a time where there may be tears, yes, but it's a time of giving hope in an environment that is just wonderful and warm and tropical. It's a seven-night cruise with the seminar being held during the three days at sea, so you won't miss any of the ports or the evening entertainment. This cruise is for any loss, but we will have workshops specifically from GPS Hope for those who have lost a child. Mitch talked about the reluctant griever today, so if that is you, I especially encourage you to at least check this out. Go to gpshope.org slash cruise. There is also a button to click on there to get more information on how to register for the seminar and to book your cabin. And our friend Lynn Finley will be on the other end of that. She's the one who puts it all together. She's been doing this for several years, so she'll be able to answer any questions that you might have about it. 
It doesn't hurt to find out more, does it? And you can even watch a short video on the webpage about the last grief cruise that we had in December of 2021. So please go take a look at it, gpshope.org cruise. And there will also be a link to it in the show notes. Let's go ahead to our birthday segment today. We only have one birthday to share, which is very unusual. Aaron Page was born on June 6th and he is forever 21. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday shared with our listeners the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that. It's very simple. Just go to gpshope.org birthdays. There's just a short form there for you to fill out with the information we need. Submit it, and I will add your child to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. Isn't it good to know that it's normal to be all over the place with your grief? Talking about the stairs, S-T-A-I-R-S, is so much better than the five stages of grief, which, like we said, was for those who are dying, not for those who are grieving a loved one's death. No matter where you are on those stairs right now, shock, trauma, acceptance, introspect, reinvestment, or serenity, or how many times you've gone up and down some of these stairs, remember to H-O-P-E. Hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.